When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome. This is the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by Frances Tomas and Dan Hilton. Thanks for joining us once again another week. It's number 18 of the Barcelona podcast, if you're keeping track at home, as we continue to bring you some opinionated takes on the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Thanks to all who have already visited thebarcelonapodcast.com. For anyone subscribing, commenting, and supporting the show, we thank you tons, and we hope that you continue to take advantage of the many deals we offer there. Now let's get started right away, Frances. What are we talking about? Today we're going to be looking at Valverde's Barca, we have been eagerly awaiting his debut, and uh, we've gone now under the belt, so we're going to analyze the five key questions that were raised during the first pre-match game. Then we're going to move on into the story that everyone's talking about, is the Neymar story. We're going to look at it in much more depth, and we're going to end up looking at Alexis Sanchez, who could be a possibility for Barca this summer. Let's get started. Offense, that's the first thing we're talking about, as this show is hitting your ears is a guarantee it's hitting your ears somewhere between the Juventus game and the Manchester United friendly that one taking place on Thursday so this show has been released and you're going to be hearing it somewhere in between so we're going to be looking just at the Juventus friendly and Frances you said there are five things to analyze and look at and I'm interested to know what those are well I did say five but probably we're not getting too many more than that but um, I think it is important to see that um, Valverde's debut sort of showed that he is going to be faithful to the Barca formation that has been so, so successful in the last 10, 15 years. He fielded a 4-3-3, three, three, 
He surprised us with a couple of inclusions in his starting eleven, such as and mainly Samper in the middle of the park, who was excellent, by the way. And uh, it was reassuring to see that he is going to be faithful with obviously little tiny tweaks here and there, but he's going to st stick to what has made us successful, which is really fantastic to hear. Then the other point that I wanted to to raise is that Messi started playing from the fields, uh, from the flank. Sorry. Um, he went towards the middle of the field whenever he wanted. He was on form, um, in the, although it was the first match of the preseason. Messi just took it hugely seriously, and he showed the fact that he's the best player in the world, even after <laughs> spending most of his summer getting married, partying, and, and sitting by the beach. And uh, it was fantastic to see how he was free, he was ready, and he was very hugely motivated. Um, I like the fact that Neymar started the game. Um, obviously, he's still in the middle of a huge controversy regarding his transfer. transfer. But he started the game, and uh, as long as he's with us, then he's going to be uh, a key player. I like the fact that Valverde didn't make him defend too much, and um, he was quite free to zoom past the wings, which, let's face it, was the decisive point in the game. Finally, I want to talk about Samper, as I sort of mentioned briefly earlier um, when I was talking a couple of minutes ago. Samper started in the middle of the field. He obviously doesn't have a place in the starting eleven or even in the squad, um, according to most um, experts. But if he continues to excel as he did against Juventus, there is a very, very high chance he is going to end up um, staying with us. He was a little bit like Busquets, to be honest. He was very quick to steal the ball and uh, regain possession as quickly as possible and then build up from there. Um, it all remains to see what, what he does against Manchester United and particularly against Real Madrid as well as to whether he can be trusted, trusted to stay for the rest of the season. But um, seeing Samper, a La Masia kid, coming back after a difficult year in Granada and excelling at that level was, was reassuring. Finally, I just want to mention that Semedo made his debut. I have to say that, you know, it was very early in his adaptation process and he was not as good as we probably would have hoped for. But um, I don't want to be too unfair or too rush in evaluating his, his impact. Let's just say that um, more time is needed. Francesc, you and I have very, very similar notes about this game. And I have just a slightly different thing on a number of different topics, but just going one by one, starting with what you had said about Messi and that we had talked about in an earlier show that Lionel Messi finally had some time off. He didn't have any World Cup to go to. He had no Copa America to go to. And with that time off, as you had mentioned, you clearly saw a rejuvenated and energetic Argentinian Lionel Messi and I would say another point to that to connect it to Neymar is that there is quite a possibility that this entire Neymar saga, no matter what happens to it when the U.S. finishes their tour in the U.S., because I think a lot of the media is kind of going to that point where, yes, it looks like he's going to stay or he's going to go depending on the hour, depending on the day, depending on when this podcast is released. But I think bar and large, we're at a point where I don't think this Neymar saga no matter when you're listening to this podcast, gets rectified until this USA Tour is over. That said, with Neymar being around the team, this could be a way to galvanize their energy, rejuvenate everyone, as I had mentioned, and motivate everyone to push harder and play with plenty of competition. 
And that leads us right into talking about Sergi Samper. As Samper, as you had talked about, had probably the, the standout performance in terms of changing the mind of Kulays who were watching that and seeing what his standing was going to be this season. And that Samper, which is 45 minutes, because as you had mentioned, there was a starting 11, but in, re- in realistic terms, there was a starting 11 in minute one and a starting 11 at minute 45, where it was a wholesale change. And Samper was part of that first unit, if you will. As in that second unit, you saw Busquets, you saw Umtiti, you saw Luis Suarez. So there was still a spine of starters in that next 45 minutes. But in the first 45 minutes, Samper was hugely impressive. And not from because everyone else is saying it on Twitter, because that's what you're hearing from experts, that Samper was was really good. I have a few examples here for you, Frances, about exactly what Samper did well. I take you to the 25th minute, when. Alexei Vidal was on the right wing trying to get into the box. Sammy Kadira, Juventus midfielder, knocks the ball away from Vidal as Vidal loses the ball. Semper immediately puts pressure on Kadira. Instead of Kadira passing out of the back near his own penalty box, instead it forces a deep Juventus throw in because the ball, of course, went off Semper, and it puts them deep inside their own half and doesn't allow them to move the ball up the field. Less than a minute after that, Samper is the one who steps to the ball, intercepts the ball from a sloppy pass from the Juventus back line before they ever get across midfield. 30 seconds after that, Neymar scores his second goal. And while Neymar's second goal, as you had mentioned, was the one where he was dancing and continued to go right past a number of Juventus players before slotting at home, beautiful piece of work by Neymar. It was a great pass by Messi to free up Neymar, but it was Samper who had basically made all that possible. It was Samper who kept possession inside Juventus's half of the field, and eventually he was the one to intercept the ball, pass to Messi to get it to Neymar. So you won't see in all the highlight packages how important Sergio Samper was to that play alone, but it just shows those little things. And that's the Xavi Hernandez, the Sergio Busquets, the things that people who know what they're watching for are going to see. In the 44th minute, again, Samper steps up to help Messi cause a turnover. He brings a double team in the Juventus penalty box. Then he provides immediate cover as Messi wins the ball in the challenge. And while it looks like Messi did all the hard work there, it was Samper's awareness to close down that space slowly in the seconds prior to, and then know exactly when to bring that double team where Juventus lost possession 15, 20 yards from their own goal. And while Messi didn't wind up scoring, it's another example of Samper doing those things that Sergio Busquets does that make Kule so happy. And that is precisely what Valverde was sort of promising to bring to Barca is that level of pressure, that level of um, commitment to recover possession whenever we don't have it. Um, whenever the ball needs to be stolen, the, the, there was a Barca player around, uh, whether it was Samper in the first half, whether it was Iniesta, Rakitic, um, Rafinha was pretty good as well. Even Denis Suarez was quite impressive as well. So having that eagerness to impress the coach uh, was great and the coach wants pressure. So that, that's what we saw. I like the fact that the team was quite, sort of playing quite together. There wasn't much distance between the lines. So whenever the, the team was sort of pressing forward, the whole of the team was doing that. So it seemed quite coordinated, despite the fact that we're still very early in the preseason. And um, that, that was a positive. I also like the fact that the ball continued to flow from left to right, coming to the center. Um, there was no sort of structure to it but you always knew that there was a player around uh, going to be asking for the ball, going to run into position, 
and um, it was really good to see so many players being associated um, with each other. Obviously, all the La Masia players, like Alenia, who was fantastic as well, Sergio Roberto, who obviously moved into midfield, um, Iniesta Busquets, they all did really well, and they, they were determined to ensure the ball kept flowing at a really high speed, and uh, Juventus didn't really have that much of an answer um, when they were chasing the ball. So I am, I am delighted that the team started playing at that level, and uh, we just need to, to keep it out now, really. I was also impressed by a player we haven't mentioned yet in Paco Acacer, who, while not only did he have the assist on Neymar's first goal, but you mentioned the pressure, and he was a big part of that pressure, where he let Neymar and Messi go wherever they needed to go, whenever they wanted to cut in. He found a good way to just support and get out of the way, and sometimes that's the most important thing with Neymar and Messi, which is finding good ways to make yourself useful. And while Akather still, it's his finishing touch that we're worried about more than everything else, I've been pleasantly surprised with how much he was able to lead that line defensively. And if your front nine is getting aggressive and starting that pressure, that's going to bring Messi and Neymar and engage them in it. And that brings up your midfield. And that's what, as you had mentioned, keeps those lines together defensively. So then offensively, you're, when the ball turns over to Barcelona, they're already in the correct spots to work through their magic and do that one-touch passing in the way they know how. The one thing I will end with on this topic is with Nelson Semedo, as you talked about, who played very cautiously offensively. I think until Nelson Semedo gets his way into the team, it's basically Semedo and Vidal as uh, Sergio Palencia from the B team didn't come over for the U.S. tour because Barcelona B is already starting some of their preseason stuff and they're already going to be into the Saguna division season in a very short time. So Palencia is there with the B team and not over with the A-team in the U.S. So I would say for the beginning of the season, it wouldn't be too surprising if, based on situation, if you need a more attacking right back, that Vidal is the pick. And if they're playing an opponent where you want to stay closer to home defensively, then Semedo will be the the pick. But I think overall, Nelson Semedo did show in just a limited amount of time in that second 45 minutes that he has some of the technical skills once he gets comfortable with the system to start to show. And and I think just you can't hypothesize too much out of 45 minutes of a preseason game, but all things considered looking at the past, Nelson Semedo, I think ultimately, just like Umtiti last year, I think Semedo will work his way into being the number one option with Vidal, hopefully a close second behind him. Last note, Douglas, Thomas Vermillion, Munir El Haddadi, as expected, those three, did not feature, unlike Sergi Samper. So those three, I think you kind of see, they're working on trying to figure out the best option for them. And as fans have kind of asked us, will Barcelona wait too long and so they have to go on other loan deals? That's still yet to be seen, but I wouldn't expect to see those three much against Manchester United either, Frances, just because it seems like they're not featuring in the Valverde's plans. No, and not, not having featured in the very first game, in the preseason, is, is, is a low, really, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't expect, for example, Munir to not feature at all. But if that's the coach's decision, then it must have been sort of shared with the board. Um, hopefully, they've got something under their sleeve and um, we can get some money back for Munir. Um, maybe something for Fermalen as well. Um, Douglas, as, <laughs> as our listeners know, I'm not the biggest fan. I think the most we can get back from Douglas is a pack of crisps and... Um, if they are salt and vinegar, I will be very, very pleased with that. Uh, I think Douglas just has to go. But uh, for the other two, we should be getting, we should be able to get something back. 
Um, I'm not expecting to get 80 million euros like Madrid go for Morata anytime soon. But, um, you know, we should be getting a decent amount of money for both. If, if you get, say, 5 million for Fermalen and you get 10, 12 for Munir, I think that that should suffice. But um, it is clear they're not in the coach's plan and it is clear the future has to be elsewhere. Well, one future that is quite unclear, Frances, continues to be the Neymar news where we actually, even on Facebook and Twitter, had a number of fans telling us that after the Gerard Piquet tweet, where, of, of course, now it's a very notorious tweet, uh, just him with his arm around Neymar saying sequeda, which just means he stays or staying, is Neymar. I, I think fans are completely divided. This story is still continuing to linger this summer, as it probably will, as I mentioned, until the USA Tour is over. So nothing has truly been decided, though it looks now like he's going to stay, but his father still says he should leave, etc., etc. So the question we're asking is not based on where we are today in this saga, because as I said, it changes every 15 seconds. But we're trying to answer today instead the question of should Barcelona go the extra mile to convince Neymar to stay, as in have they done enough, and should they do more? And Frances, having talked to you multiple times over the last few weeks about this story, I can probably guess that you're going to lean towards if Neymar wants to leave, let him go. Yeah, you're totally right. Uh, I'm not going to change my mind because Piquet decided to, to send a tweet out. Um, Neymar honestly has... I'm not going to swear or say anything bad here, but he's taking advantage, and that's putting it mildly, of, of the love of the fans. He has abused his position of power in the sense that he is a player that is beloved in Barcelona and has been for the last five years. Um, he had an offer from Paris Saint-Germain. I'm not sure whether he actually wants to leave or he's just trying to pull a Sergio Ramos, which, remember, last year he had an offer from Manchester United was storing up with that for a couple of months until Madrid decided to put his salary up. I think Neymar probably took a leaf out of that book and decided to do the same. Um, I think, as you sort of mentioned in, in your introduction to the point here, Neymar's dad is a very intelligent man. He never seems to have enough. Um, Neymar's salary is more than enough for his life, his family's life, his parents' life, his grandchildren's life to be solved without ever having to do a day of work. So I don't quite understand the need to, to sort of get greedy and, and go further and, and ask for more money. Um, if he truly believes that PSG would be a step forward in his career, then so be it. You can go to France and um, excel in League One and hopefully get lots of titles there. But honestly, I, on, I just think that he's done all of this so he could get a pay rise, and that is exactly what Barcelona should not do. They should not be giving him a pay rise at all, and this is going to be a little bit controversial to most people, but I think Barca should have, should have been taking advantage of the offer, taken the 222 million euros, and use it to sign players in order to give our squad more depth. Because a player, as I said before, a player who does not want to be a Barca should not be part of us. And I think that Neymar has, as I said at the start, taking advantage um, out of all of us and making a foolery of the Coulet fan base and decided to stay simply because of the love of money. And that's not a player that I want in my team. To your last point, Frances, the thing that worries me most about the Neymar transfer saga right now is that if he waits as expected till the end of this U.S. tour, and 
if he at the end of the U.S. tour, it, a week or two goes by and the season has begun and Neymar is still a Barcelona player, well, then he's going to be a Barcelona player. But as I said, really until you get into the end of the transfer window, which we're still about four-plus weeks away, until the end of that transfer window, I think anything is still possible. That said, the longer this drags on, and if Neymar were then to still leave the club, that doesn't give the Barcelona board, who as you and I have been a little critical of in the past few transfer windows, they do take their grand old time to bring in transfer targets because other clubs do not like to just give away their best players. And Barcelona have to always stick into long negotiations to get anybody, including Neymar back from Santos a few years ago. And so for Barcelona, they wouldn't have much time to replace Neymar. And by replace Neymar, I don't mean as a player, but just try to get as much quality as they possibly can with the money raised from the Neymar sale, that they just wouldn't have the time to get some of the players that fans are asking for and pining for, where whether it's in Usmani Dembele or Felipe Coutinho from Liverpool. Those kind of transfers take time to negotiate and go through because that's a lot of big money changing hands. And worry, more worrisome for me even is that I, I know you're not supposed to look across the aisle and look at what Real Madrid's doing, but just looking at their summer is that so far they've spent $47 million on four players, but they've after selling Danilo for $30 million and Morata for about $70 million, that means Real Madrid, along with a lot of their other sales, they've sold $122 million euros off, and they've only spent $47 million. And so that gives me the indication that Real Madrid is lining up some big, big, big move. And I think, again, you don't want to have nightmares about what the other guy is doing, but when the French wonder kid and Kellyan Mbappe is out there and just kind of waiting at Monaco for a $130 million bid, excuse me, $130 million euro bid from Real Madrid, that means that if Real Madrid continues to just use all of these issues at Barcelona to improve their own squad, it's just, for me, it's always an arms race. It's Barcelona versus Real Madrid who can collect the best players, whether it's through their academies, whether it's through transfers, which of the two can continue to build for the future. And right now, unfortunately, this Neymar, whether or not he stays or goes, shows that Barcelona just seem to be having trouble in that arms race against Real Madrid. And I think that is the most worrisome part of it for me. Yeah, that, that, that does worry me now. But... Um... I'm going to go a step further. I think before he retires, Neymar will eventually play for Real Madrid. I th- wow. I, I'm, I'm not certain, but I cannot discard it. I think that given the fact that Florentino Perez has been chasing Neymar since age 14, and the fact that before signing for Barca, he actually had trials at Real Madrid at age, I think it was 15 or 16, I think he will eventually um, go to the other side and join and join Real Madrid, probably when Cristiano Ronaldo retires. Um, hopefully, you will never have to play this podcast back, and um, hopefully you can all say, oh, Frances doesn't know what he's talking about. But I would not be surprised if in three, four years' time, when Ronaldo's gone from Madrid, and they've got a lot of money to spend, uh, that Neymar does, does the shift. Um, I actually thought that if he went to PSG, that would be a one, two years sort of, um, holiday away from the Camp Nou so that he can come back to Madrid straight away and um, that for what it seems is not going to happen this season but as I said before 222 million euros for a player who doesn't want to be here I think would have been good business and you know I do understand he's a fantastic player and I, I, as some of the people on our Facebook page did say I do agree that you're not going to be getting 
a player that's better than Neymar if Neymar left. But you could get three players that combined could have more effect in the team um, that Neymar has had. And um, I really do think that in a couple of years' time, we're going to be looking back at this moment and say, hey, look, he's gone for, say, 70 million or 100 million. Um, we, the board really messed up at that point. We should have taken the money and run. But hopefully, and I really am wishing that I am super wrong with this and no one ever has to play this podcast back again. Well, even the most recent bit of things that have been happening, and again, this podcast should be out you know, within 24 hours of us recording. So most recently, Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez have reportedly sat down, had a very, very long conversation with him. And so the hot take that you're giving me, Frances, is something that I think, not that I would disagree with, it's all possible. And as you and I have mentioned on previous shows, a number of players have gone straight from Barcelona to Real Madrid or Real Madrid to Barcelona. So if Neymar were to use a third club in between, that's not such a far-fetched idea either. And I think, Frances, the, the thing you're bringing up about Real Madrid, Real Madrid eventually having Neymar in their squad, it's not necessarily a crushing blow to the talent at Barcelona, particularly in the next two, three years as Messi's continuing to be there, as Iniesta, Sergio Busquets, as, you know, the, the crew that you know continues to be there. I think the more crushing blow is to Barcelona's ego just knowing that they lost another one in that fashion and I again you and I have we've humbly disagreed on the fact that I think if his teammates are okay with him staying if the board is okay with him staying and if Neymar decides after this crossroads to stay at Barcelona I, I think he then deserves the fan support I think after all that and I know it's difficult to say well if he didn't want to stay over the summer what makes him want to stay now I think that's the whole point of the decision is that if he was this close to leaving but chose to stay I think the whole point of what Gerard Piquet even is is saying on social media is that if he's choosing to stay then he wants to be here that's an indication if he stays that he wants to be here and I think as hurt as Kool-Aid's were for the pain that Neymar has caused over this summer of all that trial and tribulation of the will he, won't he, and what will the future of Barcelona look like. I think choosing to stay is going to say a lot, particularly knowing that even you look at Gianluigi Donnarumma over at AC Milan, where he got such a backlash all summer, and he's still just a teenager, and his decision to stay said a lot about his commitment to the club. And I think, as you had mentioned, this could all come down. It all comes down to money. And you're right. It all comes down to money at the end of the day. And so whether or not Neymar stays or goes, money is going to have to be involved, whether it's Barcelona's money or it's someone else's, like PSG's money, to take him away from the club. And that brings us right into our third topic in continuing to hypothesize if somewhere over the summer Neymar were to leave, one of the names now popping up and it's easy for him to pop up. It's Alexis Sanchez. He's already been at Barcelona. And whether it's Manchester City, even PSG, he seems to be very high on the queue of a lot of different teams. And so the question is, could Alexis Sanchez replace Neymar if he were to leave Barcelona? Sanchez being still only 28, has plenty of miles left on his legs. He's a much more complete player than he was the first time he left, having played now in the Premier League with Arsenal, really being their number one attacker. Dealt with some injuries, but by and large, over the course of 
the last two winters, over that winter season, he seemed to be the only guy for Arsenal that you knew you could get a goal out of when they needed it the most. And sometimes, as we saw last year, even Sanchez couldn't deliver the promise of a goal when Arsenal need it. And that's why they're not getting Champions League football. And that's why Alexis Sanchez has continued to be linked with moves away to a Champions League club. And if Neymar to leave Barcelona, why not Barcelona go after Alexis Sanchez? Definitely. I think Sanchez would be a possibility if he wanted to come back. Um, let's not forget that he scored 72 games, 72 times in three seasons for Arsenal, playing 145 games. Um, that 72 number is nearly double what he scored at Barca, it was 47. So he obviously benefited from, from the fact that he left Barca, went to Arsenal and became the main man. Um, at this moment in time, he's reportedly unhappy. Um, he wants to be in a winning team and Arsenal haven't necessarily been able to do that. I do know that Arsene Wenger is investing more money this summer, or at least trying to invest more money this summer. But um, Arsenal and Alexis Sanchez it doesn't seem to be a relationship that's going to last very, very long. Now, would I welcome him back at Barca? Yeah, to be honest, I would be happy to have him back. He came as a very young player, having excelled in Italy, in Udinese, for three, four seasons. And uh, when he got to us, he was a player that had the potential to be great. Pep Guardiola really, really insisted in his signing. And he did very well, particularly in the first couple of years, scoring 14, uh, 15 and then 11 goals. His last season with us, he went up to 21 as well. But um, his presence in the team was not as um, frequent as he wanted. So he decided to move forward. And um, let's just say as well that when Barca sold him to Arsenal, they actually sold him for quite a good number amount of money at the time, which um, which is good, which is to show his quality. Because as we know, the Barca board are quite unable to sell players for any decent amount. So in this occasion, they did it, meaning that Alexis must have been a good player then. But, um, you know, I would definitely welcome him back. He knows the system inside out. He understands what it takes to play alongside Messi. And um, obviously not Luis Suarez, but, you know, everyone can play with Luis Suarez given his quality and generosity and the effort that he puts into every single ball. So I would have him back if he wanted to, without a doubt. So Alexis Sanchez, just like a lot of the other ones we had mentioned, are potential options if Neymar were to leave. But as I had talked about earlier, it wouldn't give Barcelona too much time to figure all those things out, particularly with the Manchester Cities and the Chelsea's seemingly circling around Alexis Sanchez and trying to work on stuff at present. That brings us right into our fan questions. We have two today. First, from Luis Mazariegos. And they ask via Twitter whether they're really going to keep Arda for sponsorship reasons. This is the question. I'll reiterate it that Barcelona, Luis is asking, are they really going to keep Arda for sponsorship reasons? What do you think, Frances? I think Arda Turan was terrible in his preseason opener against Juventus. And uh, I think Luis's question, which we're very grateful for, um, is, is fair. Um, what, what is the point of having Turan in the, in the squad if he's going to be the poorest out of all the players that actually play? Uh, without a doubt, Arda is there because of his past, the fact that he was um, instrumental in, in Atletico Madrid. His first season at Barca, despite scoring over 10 goals, um, was disappointing. We spoke about it in episode 4 in our, of our podcast, which I strongly recommend that if you're listening to this, you go back and listen, because I thought that one was quite good. 
So, um, yeah, no, Turan, without a doubt, um, here because of his quality. But at this moment in time, he's just not showing it. And uh, the fact that he's got a huge fan base behind him, the fact that um, he's, he's the only Muslim player in our squad, the fact that he's got plenty of followers from that background um, would be a possibility. I think that Turan needs to be the first midfielder leaving us if he doesn't improve. And to be honest, I'm not very hopeful that he will. Again, that question coming from, well, I apologize for the pronunciations on Twitter, at LuisM8989. That question about Arda Tehran, and I would agree with you, Frances, on that point, is that he didn't really wow in the preseason, and we know he struggled for Turkey at the international stage, and Arda Tehran just has never really felt completely like a Barcelona fit. And while Valverde might see something in him because, as we saw at Atletico Madrid, he was very, very good at bringing that pressure and helping out with that high press. Whether or not Arda Turan can convince Valverde in the limited time they have together that he can do that much better than a player much younger and much cheaper per week and per year in a Denis Suarez, or, as our next fan question is about to be, Gerard Delefeu, where Juanito Jones asked us, I cannot believe how badly things have gone for Delefeu at Barca. He has shown so much promise on numerous occasions, but he just doesn't seem to have luck on his side. Do you think that he's already shot himself in the foot with his recent injury? The timing couldn't be worse as far as the vital preseason is concerned. He may not have many more chances left. I would love to see him do well in the team. And I would say for Delefeu and bringing in a new manager like Valverde, I can't say that Delefeu's time is done. I think maybe in the beginning of the season that Valverde might favor other guys that he's gotten to see, but no manager, particularly at the highest level, is just going to look at a few days whether or not they've made a decision on a player, and I think it would be unwise for any manager not to give a player like Delefeo an opportunity. So I think Delefeo will have an opportunity to impress in training after the US, U.S. tour is over, and I think Delefeo he has a special kind of skill set that I don't think Barcelona have much depth on. If Valverde, as we saw, wants to play Alexi Vidal at the right-back position and Munir is going to be out of the club, we saw Arder Turan play as a right wing. We saw Denis Suarez play as the left wing. And you just have to think overall that there isn't much depth at natural forwards like Delefeo. He, he offers speed and a direct approach that not many other Barcelona midfielders and forwards have. As I said, uh, when Neymar and Messi aren't up top, and we saw Rafinha, Rafinha last year also play at the wings when Neymar or Messi, well, when Neymar went down with injury for a little bit, and same thing with Messi when Messi went down with injury, Rafinha had some appearances up top. And so with those three being midfielders, Gerard Delefeu, for all intents and purposes, Francis, isn't he the only actual forward substitute to come off that bench? The one who's actually a natural winger? Yes, together with Alcácer, Alcácer being more of a central striker. But yeah, without a doubt, I think Deulofeu is really, really, really unlucky because this preseason, this month, would have been the perfect sort of scenario, the perfect spotlight for him to shine. And um, due to injury, he's not going to be able to do it. I think Deulofeu is one of the most special players to come out of La Masia in the last, I would say, five, six, seven years because... He is unusual. He's a winger. He's, you know, very proud to say that. And he plays in a special way that players coming up from La Masia don't normally do. Um, to be honest, he seems more like a Real Madrid 
sort of Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale player than a La Masia graduate, but um, that's that's what we welcome. He grew enormously at Milan last season, and that's why we got him back. And um, in order to secure a place, he should have shown his worth now, but he's recovering. So I'm not really quite sure what Ernesto Valverde is going to make of it, whether any offers will be considered, or as I think would make more sense, he gets given a chance and then his situation sort of being reevaluated when the winter transfer window comes back. Yeah, all great points. And as we continue to look ahead to Barcelona's preseason, as we had mentioned from the start of the show, one of the names, Sergi Samper, Carlos Alenia, those kind of guys, Denise Suarez, showing well in preseason already. It's going to be competition for Delefeu, but it doesn't mean that all four can't feature. It doesn't mean that Valverde isn't going to have a terrific squad rotation that allows multiple players, particularly the younger players, to get their opportunities. And I think any of the players that are coming in have a chance under Valverde, who's continued to use the Barcelona system. And as we'll continue to break down the beginning of Valverde's time at Barcelona, we'll have to do that in future episodes, Frances, because this will wrap this show up. And we thank you so much for listening. You can head over to thebarcelonapodcast.com to subscribe, comment, or support the show. And we really have to say that we are thankful and grateful for the amount of feedback we've been getting, both the things for us to work on and feedback like that. We appreciate that. We're taking it all into consideration on how to make the show better in future weeks. And we also appreciate all the kind words that we've been getting on iTunes, all the different places you listen to your podcast. So we thank you again for listening to the Barcelona podcast. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.